Uh, tonight we're going to be in the book of Esther. Hopefully you noticed that in the title slide there at the beginning. Uh, book of Esther. So open up your Bibles to Esther and you'll find that. Usually if you open your Bible to the middle, somewhere around the middle, you'll end up in Psalm or Proverbs. And then Esther takes place just a couple books before Psalms. And so when you get to the book of Psalms, or you, and Proverbs is right after that, if you open to the middle, you'll find that and start working your way to back, back and you'll find the book of Esther just before the book of Job. And so Esther, we're going to start in chapter number 4, but just to give you a, a reminder of what took place here in this time, uh, this, is, this is about uh, 474 B.C. that this, what we're going to be looking at here, uh, is taking place. So 474 years before Christ, uh, this, this took place. At this time, the people of Israel were uh, captive by the people in Persia. Persia uh, had uh, uh, conquered Israel, and uh, they were uh, they were uh, over all of Israel, and they had them uh, uh, as uh, servants, and they had kind of assimilated into the uh, into the background there. And what we're going to look at is something that took place later in the story of Esther. But the first few chapters, uh, just by way of reminder, uh, you have uh, the uh, the king. Uh, was looking for a queen, and Esther was chosen to be the queen of this area, the queen of Persia. And so Esther, being this queen, uh, was put in a place, in a special uh, position. But now there was a, a thing with the Persians, that they were not allowed to approach the king without the king asking them to come. And so, uh, if it would be like if you went into your uh, to your mom and dad's room and your and you interrupted mom and dad and that you said, "Hey, I need to talk to you. I want to," and they they hadn't told you that you could come in. That could be a big deal. And the king, he could honestly, if he wanted, if he was not happy about it, uh, he could have you killed just because you came into the room and he didn't want you in there. Well, this is the, what was taking place in the kingdom at that time. And so let's look in, in Esther chapter number 4. And we're going to look at the first two verses of Scripture. And, and uh, actually the first three verses of Scripture. And then we're going to drop down uh, to another portion of this. Look at the Esther chapter number 1. Look at verse, or Esther chapter number 4, verse 1. It says, When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth, with ashes, and went out in the midst of the city, and cried with a loud and a bitter cry, and came even before the king's gate. For none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing. And many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Drop down, if you would, to verse 13 of chapter 4 here. It says, Then Mordecai commanded to answer uh, Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou... And thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now, let's have a word of prayer and then I'll explain to you what's going on. 
Our Father, uh, we are grateful yet again to be able to come before you. And Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding. I pray, Father, that you would help us to know what this, uh, what this is telling us and what this is teaching. Help us to be able to apply the lessons that we're learning here to our lives. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Okay, here's what, we, uh, what I want you to understand. What's taking place that leads up to this? Because you see there in the first verse that we read, uh, uh, Esther 4.1, when Mordecai perceived all that was done. Well, what you need to know is there's this wicked man in the kingdom by the name of Haman. And uh, Haman, he sent messengers throughout all of Persia to announce a new law that was going to be in effect. Now, check this out. This is all taking place uh, in, in April, uh, it's, it's about April 17th, and if you go back and read the, uh, the, uh, the passage, you'll know, what, you'll know why I'm saying all that. And in April 17th, uh, 474 B.C., Haman sent these messengers out that there was a, a new law that on March 7th, the following year, so almost a whole year later, March 7th, the following year, all the Jewish people were to be killed, all of them. All the Jewish people, if, if, you, uh, if you were a Jew and you, and you lived there at that time, on March 7th, the next year, you were going to die. Now, this is a big deal. And Haman, he, he didn't like him. He wanted him gone. He hated him. And, and it, it bothered him that they were there. And he, he, just, he wanted to kill them all. And so Mordecai was a respected man. And, and Mordecai was uh, uh, very well respected in King Ahasuerus' um, kingdom there in his uh, cabinet. And when he understood what was happening and when he got word about this, it broke his heart. It broke his heart not just for himself, but it broke his heart for his people because these were God's people. Now, I want you to think for a minute what he did. Look in verse number 1 and verse number 2 again. It says, When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put, all sackcloth, put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry and came even before the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. He was so worried and so upset about what was taking place he protested it publicly. Now, here's the thing that we've got to be careful of with this. A lot of times people want to protest something simply because they don't like it. And they get upset and they say, well, I'm going uh, to protest and I'm going to put, put it out there and I'm going to make sure that everybody knows what I don't like. That's not what he was doing. He was not standing out in public telling everybody what he didn't like. He was in public letting them know something that was evil was taking place and something that was an attack against God. Now, this is a big deal. A lot of people, they get upset and they protest if you're going to cut a tree down or uh, somebody protests if you're going to, uh, you know, if, if somebody's hunting, they'll protest. Or, you know, you see all the time people on TV, they, they wear a fur coat and someone throws red paint on them. And it's just, really, that's, that's not what Mordecai was doing. What Mordecai was doing was he was letting the people know something evil was taking place and this is, this is horrible, this is terrible. 
I don't want to see it happen. Now, we need to know what all is taking place with this and what all is happening. And so what did the Jewish people do? If you look in verse number 3, it says, And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was a great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. But now if you continue to read in this chapter, in verse number 4, down through to verse number 12, you'll find out that Esther, Esther, being the niece of Mordecai, one of his relatives, she's talking with Mordecai, and Mordecai lets her know what's, uh, what's going on. And what does she do? When she found out what was going on, Mordecai told Esther that all the Jews were in mortal danger, and she told him, she said, Mordecai, I want you to tell all the Jews to pray and fast for the next three days. You know, boys and girls, I I wonder what would happen in our world if God's people would spend just a little bit of time praying. Now, you know, we we can look at everything that's going on and, and we look at the uh, uh, what's taking place in our world today with the coronavirus scare and everything. Everybody's up in arms and, and everybody's trying to make sure that they do something to help, right? You got people that are going around, they're cleaning things, they're passing out uh, maybe hand sanitizer or they're helping uh, uh, people get uh, a mask to wear or gloves to wear. People are getting all this information out. But I wonder how many people have spent 15 minutes, a solid 15 minutes, talking to God about this. I wonder what would happen if for the next three days, I'm not just talking 15 minutes, we got a lot of people in, 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 in government that are doing the best that they know how to help us. I wonder what would happen if instead they just spent the next three days in prayer, fasting, asking God for wisdom, or what, you know, they, they, they're busy, they have a lot on their plate, what about you and me? We're not the ones making all the decisions, but perhaps we could be praying that God would give them wisdom, God would help them, maybe we should be praying, spend, maybe we could spend just just 15 minutes a day praying for the nurses, the doctors, the ambulance drivers, the police officers, the firemen, the, uh, the uh, military who's going to help with different things and, and, and uh, trying to, you got people in the Coast Guard trying to help people get off boats. They're stuck on cruise ships. I wonder what would happen if we just spent 15 minutes a day praying for all of them. Well, this is what they did. And the truth that we want to learn from this is to keep evil from taking over, good people must take action. And so let's apply it to our lives this way. 
When you see something that is going on, something that is wrong, and it's easy to see it today, we've got a couple choices. We can get mad, we can get upset, we can stomp our feet, we can huff and puff and, and make a big deal out of poor me, I don't get to go be with my friends. Poor me, I have to stay at home. Poor me, I want to go to the pool. Poor me, or we can pray about it. We can talk with other people. And we can help them pray about it. And so let's take a little bit of time and let's just spend, uh, spend some moments in our life, maybe just, just a moment a day, just 15 minutes a day, talking to God. Right now, let's just be honest. Some of us are watching more TV right now this week than we have all month long. You think we can spend 15 minutes talking to God? Maybe that's the whole thing that we need to be doing right now. Maybe instead of, uh, oh, wow, I've got a lot of free time on my hands. I'm going to watch TV all day long. I wonder what would happen if we spent a little bit. I've got a lot of time on my hands. Maybe I'll spend it talking to God. Maybe we should try that. Let's look at the second thing here about Esther. If you go to chapter number 5, and let's read the first four verses. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. And it was so when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther? And what is thy request? It shall be given thee to half the kingdom. And Esther answered, If it seem good unto the king, let the king and Haman come this day unto the banquet that I have prepared for him. Now, you remember I told you that this was a day where if Esther had gone in and uh, to the king and the king wasn't in a mood to see her, didn't want her there, if he didn't extend his scepter, hold out his scepter to her, the guards would have taken her and killed her. Because it was against, it was against all of their laws that the, that the king would be approached by someone he didn't want. Do you know that there's a lot of, uh, of, of artwork that have, has been found in the Medo-Persians where the people would come before the king and they would have their hand in front of their face because if their breath was bad and it got to the king and the king didn't like the smell of their breath, he would have them killed. This is how dangerous it was for Esther to just walk in. But because God's people were praying, the heart of the king was ready to receive Esther. And so she walked in, and she was bold because the people were praying for her. She knew her people were praying and asking God. She knew her God was right there. And she walked in, and the king extended the scepter. She came up. He says, what do you want? I'll give you whatever you want. All the way up to, I'll give you half of my kingdom if that's what you want. And she said, I want you to come to dinner. 
and bring Haman with you. Now, this is an interesting thing that Esther's doing here because if you really think about it, I mean, if you knew somebody wanted you and all of your people dead, would you invite them to dinner? That's what Esther did. Now, we want to remember to talk to God to overturn any evil plan that affects his people. Don't ever be afraid to talk to God about it. You know, I've had people worried, well, you know, well, we can't meet and we can't go to church and we can't. Well, listen, kids, don't, don't get upset right now, okay? I, I want to be in church and I, I miss seeing everybody at church. I miss having fellowship with my friends at church. But understand, nobody's telling us that we can't meet because they don't want churches to meet. But if the day ever comes where they say churches are never allowed to meet again, it would not, it would not be for us to obey that one. It would be for us to continue to spread the gospel. If someone ever came and said churches are not allowed to preach anymore, we would stand up for what is right. Always. Always. So we talk to God about overturning any evil plan that affects his people. I want you to know something that took place with all of that. Because Haman got excited. If you read a little bit down further into this uh, chapter, uh, you read verse, look at, look at verse uh, 9. Then went Haman forth that day joyful and glad in his heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he stood not up nor moved for him, he was full of indignation against Mordecai. Haman leaves that request, finding out that the queen wanted to have him over and the king over for dinner. And he was so excited because he thought he was something special. And then he saw Mordecai. And here's what happened. Mordecai, because Haman wasn't anything special, Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him. And that's why Haman wanted all the rest of the Jews killed. That's kind of evil. Some people say, oh, well, he's a misunderstood guy. He's evil. He wanted a bunch of people dead because someone wouldn't bow to him. I mean, come on. Now, Haman got angry because Mordecai did not show him the same respect that he would show to the king. Who does he think he is? Look with me at... uh, If you were to continue to read through chapter 6 and chapter 7, what you would find is that uh, that they went to the meal and then they they continued to go throughout all this stuff. And uh, 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 during the night, um, uh, King Ahasuerus could not sleep and he had... um, uh, he had the guys read the records. So you had people back then keeping a journal, and it was kind of like the news people, but these people actually, they wrote down the truth. <laughs> but anyway, um, and so you had the, the, the guy had said, I, I can't sleep at night. Have you ever done that before? You couldn't sleep, and you said, uh, uh, okay, I got to find something to put me to sleep. And so you turn on the, you turn on the news. <laughs> turn the news on, you're like... <clears throat> You know, that, that, that's the way it was. And that's what he did. He said, I need somebody to come and read the newspaper to me. 
That's what it was. He read the records, the his, it's like the history books, you know. It's like, tell me what happened. And so they were reading about this guy by the name of Mordecai who had done something for the king and had never been thanked for it. And the king heard that and he said, oh my goodness, you got to be kidding me. No one has ever thanked him. So he decided he was going to reward Mordecai. So the next morning, Haman gets a big surprise. Haman prepared, he, he took, uh, took uh, Mordecai and he put him up and he paraded him all around the city. Can you imagine? Haman hated Mordecai. He wanted all the Jewish people dead because of Mordecai. And the king told Haman, he says, hey, I want you to take him on a parade. Man, you want to talk about making Haman upset. Later that same day, Haman and the king attended Esther's second banquet. She had a second feast for him where Haman got his second big surprise. Look at at, uh, chapter 7 of Esther. Look at verse 2 with me. And the king said unto Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? And it shall be performed even to the half of the kingdom. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we are sold. And my people to be destroyed. I and my people to be destroyed. To be slain and to perish. But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen. I had held my tongue. Although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Then the king Ahasuerus answered and said unto Esther the queen. Who is he? And where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? Uh huh. So get what happened. They came for a second dinner at, at Esther's. And the king says, what is it that you want? I'll give you anything that you want. You just ask. And she said, well, me and my people are going to be, are, are going to be killed. We, we've, we have been slated to be destroyed. And so all I'm asking is that you do something about it. And he said, who would want to do this? Look at verse 6. And Esther said, the adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. (laughs) Oh, yeah, he's getting it coming now, isn't he? When the king walked into the room, what do you think Haman did? (laughs) Uh, Haman, he begged Esther because the king got so mad. If you continue to read down there, the king, it says in verse 7, arising from the banquet in his wrath went into the palace garden. He was so mad he couldn't even stay in the same room with Esther and Haman. He storms out and Haman's begging Esther, please, please don't let him do anything to me, please. And the king comes back in and he finds Haman holding on to Esther 
and he gets mad. And he takes Haman, and he finds out that Haman had built gallows to hang Mordecai on. Ten feet tall. And the king said, I want Haman hung on those gallows. Wow. So the question then I would ask is, who do you think was the next person that became the king's right-hand man? Look at chapter 8, verse 2. It says, And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it unto Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. Mordecai was rewarded for his faithfulness. And boys and girls, here's what I want you to understand, and you can wake your dad up now because it's time for us to get ready for the final bit of application. God rewards good people who expose wicked plans, and he punishes people who devise evil plans. Have you ever seen God intervene and try to stop something wrong? Maybe you could talk to your mom and dad. Maybe you could talk to one another today and, and, and ask, what are some examples? But let me, let me help you to understand something, though. God doesn't always reward in the way we think we should be rewarded. You know, we may stand up for what's right, and it may seem like we get, we get knocked down. It may seem like nobody cares that we did the right thing. But God does. And there's coming a day when not only will we be, will we be able to uh, see and uh, have uh, uh, to be before our God and be with him forever and for eternity, that is reward enough. It just for doing the right thing, just being with God, that should be reward enough. But he's going to stand and he's going to make sure that everybody knows. He's going to be, we're going to see and be rewarded openly. And when we get those rewards, we're going to say, but I did it for you. We're going to give them back to him. So boys and girls, it is never wrong to do right. And so you should pray for good to always overcome evil, but pray it not because of what you want, but because you want to see God glorified and His people grow closer to Him. So we're thankful that God has had victory over evil. And you know how He did that? He sent His Son. His Son came to this wicked earth, lived a sinless life, and died a death for you and for me. He defeated this evil. He defeated it. And so we can trust that he had the ultimate victory over evil and we can pray for courage to stand up for what is good and what is right. Listen, boys and girls, Jesus already won. And so we should always stand up for right because we're on the winning team when we're with Jesus. When we're following what the Lord wants us to do, 
nothing, nothing can keep us from being in His will. So let's always follow after Him and always do what is right.